You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This Ministry 127 podcast is about taking your church music to the next level with Ron Hamilton. Ron Hamilton is an internationally known sacred music composer and musician, and he is best known for his recordings as Patch the Pirate, which can be heard on over 500 radio outlets around the world. I was reading about a, uh, a kindergarten class where the kindergarten teacher had been teaching her class about the sun, the moon, the stars, and she was trying to teach her, uh, trying to teach about them, and on the quiz, or she asked the class after she was through with everything, what's the most important light in the earth's sky? And a little boy, oh, I know, I know, I know, a five-year-old class, and he said, yes, Johnny, what is it? He said, it's the moon. I said, the moon, why do you say that? said, because the moon comes out at night when, uh, when there's not any other light. Everybody really needs it. The sun's out in the day when nobody needs it. It's already light. <laughs> and it's easy to get mixed up about what is the most important thing when it comes to music. What's the most important thing in our music programs at our church? You know, with the choir, with the congregation, with the kids. Uh, what's the most important thing? Lots of times we get messed up thinking the most important thing is musical talent. Because it isn't. And often we, I'm, I'm in churches where they really get in trouble because they pick out the most musically talented person and make him the music director or put him in charge of something. Spiritually, he may be an infant, but he's got musical talent. The most important thing is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important thing is what Pastor Chapel was talking about last night. And I won't go there because our time is short. I was reading about Jacob and how he wrestled with God and how Jacob and, I, you know, he, he, uh, when, that, when the angel of the Lord, who probably was a Christophany, when Jesus was wrestling with Jacob through the night, and, you know, they're wrestling, and this is, this is a puzzling picture here. I mean, God wrestling with man, and, uh, and, and Jacob wouldn't let him go, and God didn't choose to let, be let go. And uh, then Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And then God touched, touched, his, uh, touched that muscle that still today Jews can't eat of that muscle on an animal because it was touched by God. And what I saw in Israel, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He got a little bit of an understanding who the real power was. Because here, all of his life, he'd been scheming, he'd been planning, he'd been working, he'd been trying to do all these things to get the advantage. I, I always chuckle when I read through that passage with Laban where he's putting those rods in front of the sheep, you know, make, stripping some of them and doing all this stuff and, you know, trying to... Who was really doing all that? God was. God was the one blessing him. And I think that night when he wrestled with God, he went away from that experience, from that experience realizing 
just a little bit, he still had lessons to learn that the source of the blessing was God. Now, it's important to work. It's important to develop your skill, but the source of the blessing with music is God. It's also interesting to me that God had to hurt Jacob. Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. And every time he took a step, he was reminded that God is in charge. (laughs) Maybe God has hurt you. God's, uh, you know, I, God hurt me. (laughs) And, And yet it's, I don't look upon it as a hurt. I look upon it as a blessing. But every, every time I look in the mirror, it's funny because I walk through anywhere I go and I forget I've got a patch. And, the people, and I don't really notice people staring, but they do, you know. And then they look away, except for the kids. The kids don't, you know, try to hide it. <laughs> Mommy, what's that? You know? And uh, the kids don't hide it, and they walk up and say, what's under there? What's under there? And, you know, they're always asking fun stuff. But uh, God often hurts us to draw us close to him, to get us on our knees, and to get us to realize where the real power is. And you don't, you don't have to be al- alive very long before you get hurt. <laughs> And I found that God's most precious servants usually have been hurt. But they've responded by turning to the Lord. They've responded by drawing closer to him. He's the source of the power. You know what I found when I'm hurt? I realize that I am weak. I don't have any strength. The strength is in him. Just a... (laughs) Just a few weeks, well, six, seven weeks ago, I had some surgery, and it was, uh, they told me I was kind of young for this surgery, and I was skinny, so skinny always helps. And, uh, you know, the doctor says, you'll do great. My friends are saying, this won't be a big deal. But you know what I found out in the recovery from that surgery? I'm just average. <laughs> you know, I hurt and struggled, and I'm just average. Nobody special. The power is with him. Power is not with me. We need that in our music. I have been in churches where the person in charge of the music, I, there's a church up in the Midwest where the music director is a, um, the people love him. He claims, he, he jokes about not being able to read music. He even jokes about sometimes not being able to carry a tune. And he's the choir director. <laughs> And the people, he said he's tried to quit because there's other people more skilled, but he said the people won't let me quit because they love him. And I've been in his church, and he does a good job with his energy, with inspiring the people to sing, and with his love for the Lord. (laughs) And he's got a power, the power of God on his life. And it is so refreshing to realize that when he's doing something, that God is the one doing it. Now, if, if I could, it's nice to have both. <laughs> it's nice to have the power of God. And if you, if you're serving the Lord, we do need, David played skillfully. That's why Saul had him come and play for him. That's why they, he was a favorite in the court, because he played skillfully on that harp. And it's good to do both. It's good to have the blessing of God, the power of God, and also to seek to, seek to do your music skillfully. I've got a good friend. He's in our church. His name is Pastor Jim Phillips. 
He's had some grandkids that went here to school. He wrote a book, and I want to start off by just reading. This is from a pastor's viewpoint. It's a very simple, very down-to-earth book. It's written just so that anybody can grab it. It's not deep. It's not theological, but it's just practical stuff. And he has a little, he has several statements in there about the church music program. Let me read it for you. Well, I'll just pick out several things here just to kind of get us started here. Talking about the music program, of all, of all things in life, our relationship with the Lord, even in the music program, is the most important. Kind of basic, but so true. So true. <laughs> Love your neighbor. Be kind. Don't be a mean Christian or a mean preacher. Be ye kind to one another. I mean, this is simple stuff. Have any of you ever heard of a book called All I Ever Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Yeah. <laughs> That's a neat book. And the whole premise is that all you ever needed to know in life, if you learn those lessons that your kindergarten teacher taught you well, if she's a Christian, but he, he's coming from a Christian point of view. But he said even those things that every good kindergarten teacher teaches, it's, it's good, good stuff. One of the first lessons, be kind. Another good lesson is don't hit. <laughs> you know, Jason, my son, has been working out and, you know, he came home, this is men a long time ago. He's coming home, you know, his muscles are beginning to bulge a little bit. And uh, he, he said, um, I said, man, you're getting pretty big. What are you going to do with these muscles? He said, if somebody's mean to me, I'm going to beat them up. You know? <laughs> I thought, wait, where are we going with these muscles here? And, uh, you know, don't hit. A very simple truth, but uh, it's true. It's true. Um, share your toys. <laughs> You know, just, just good stuff. This, here's another good one. The head of the music program is not the music director. It is the pastor. The pastor is the head of every area of your church. That is so true. <laughs> and uh, I've worked with three pastors. We've been at our church now for 16 years. And we've had three pastors. Every pastor has been very different. Every pastor has had different requirements Ex- different expectations from music on uh, regarding the music program. Our first pastor was very spontaneous and um, and didn't was was uh, was a wonderful soul winner. wasn't real organized by nature. Our present pastor is very organized, and I've got to have things submitted a long time ahead of time and programs planned a long time ahead. Of time. You know, and the requirements on me are a lot different and. And sometimes each one of the pastors wants something different in the music program. You know, look at the, the church music, the schedule. I'm the one in charge of doing the, the, the Sunday service schedule, and sometimes the pastor changes a number on me. You know, that the, a song that I prayed over and I picked because it went with the sermon topic. And uh, you know what? That's fine. That's perfectly all right. There even are occasions when the pastor has changed the special number at the last minute. Have you ever heard of anything more unreasonable than that? (laughs) And yet that's fine. And you know what? He's in charge. God put him there. And my response needs to be, thank you, Lord. We're going to bring you glory. He's in charge. And I'm going to serve him and I'm going to serve you. It is so easy to get hurt. (laughs) It's so easy to let something get under your skin and begin to think, I just don't like this guy. 
why he isn't like the guy that hired me. You know, he changed the rules on me. No. God's man with a good heart trying to serve the Lord and the pastor's in charge. Remember that. Simple but good. That may be the thing that's holding you back in your music program. Just your attitude about that one thing. I've wrestled with it at times, and often we do. If at all possible, avoid soundtracks. Always use live music if you have competent musicians. Good live music is always better than canned music. How would it be if I went to a music hall to hear a symphony and instead of hearing a live symphony, they had a CD player sitting in the middle of the concert hall and they turned that on instead? I don't think we'd all be too excited about that. And that's, many of the musicians, I want my pianist, I want my organist, I want my string players, I want those kids. I, you know, in the recording we just listened to a second ago, those are professional musicians. We use them uh, to record our soundtracks. And uh, our church orchestra doesn't sound like that. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, we have a, we're, we're crammed on our platform, and at best we have six, eight, ten instruments sometimes. And uh, we have some, some of the players are pretty good, but some of them are intermediate. And, and you know, hit a sour note and don't get their part just right. And, uh, boy, I'd take the, I'd a whole lot... I, but I'd much rather have them than that, that canned music play. Even though I, you know, that's ours. You know, no, I want our orchestra to be playing that music. I want my pianist and my organist to be practicing. And when we do a number at church, I want that to be their offering to the Lord. There's sometimes that I change something. I'll change the tempo a little bit. Or I'll hold a note longer than the soundtrack holds it. Or I'll do something a little different because why am I doing that? Because I feel like, well, actually I feel like the Lord is leading me to be expressive through that music and to praise him through it. And I want to be able to do that instead of being married to whatever's going on with that soundtrack. Now, I know that's not written in the Bible anywhere, but I think that is, uh, I, th- I think it makes sense. Start a church orchestra. You can take a survey and just see, and You've got to struggle with this, and um, we have anybody in our church that wants to can play along with the congregation. But for the choir arrangements, they have to be a little bit better because the choir arrangements are often more difficult. So we can't have a beginner player trying to play along with the choir. That doesn't work. But they can play along with the congregation. But the church, if, but the uh, y'all come, they can play, the orchestra can play along with the congregational singing, and it works great. Have the music picked out ahead of time. How often I've gone to a church and saw the, saw the music director, the music pastor, standing at the piano, picking out the songs for the service at the service. Don't do that. Uh, I've done it, and it's no fun. You know? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's no fun to be under that kind of pressure. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't do that at your job. You, w- you wouldn't just be just given it the last you know, just the last-minute preparation. Do your homework. Plan ahead. Let me tell you how we do it. And this, again, has changed a little bit because of our pastor. He's a more organized individual than the previous two pastors I was with. We have a staff meeting. Shelley likes this because I used to, um, I guess I'll confess warts and all, but I I used to often do the church music program, the church music schedule. I'd often do it on Saturday night. And uh, sometimes it was midnight on Saturday night. 
And uh, it always, it, you know, and that's not... The special music was thank you for that. Yeah, because she was in charge of the special music, so... <laughs> but the... Uh, but just doing everything at the last minute, late Saturday night, going to bed late and getting up bleary-eyed. So our, what we're do, what, the way we do it now is we have a staff meeting on Thursday. And I have to have the church, the, you know, the order of service for all the services there at that staff meeting on Thursday. We all go over it. We all look at it. We all pray about it. We all say, well, do, make sure everything's fit. Swap out a hymn if it doesn't fit real well. But it's all got to be done Thursday. And you know what? My Saturdays are a lot better now. Now, that didn't happen because of me. It had happened because of my pastor saying, I want it done on Thursday morning. I want it in the office by Thursday morning. And you know what? I didn't like that when he told me that. <laughs> but I, it, it was a good thing, and I like it now. It was a good thing. And uh, then the other thing that we do on Sunday morning, and you might consider this also, is we meet with our pastoral staff, head usher, uh, one or two of the musicians, we meet at uh, 30 minutes before the service on Sunday morning just for a time of prayer, a time of any last-minute changes. All right, let's go get them. And it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, start the service with bright, cheerful music. Every church is different, and I, um, every church has a little bit different style of music. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a, in a moment. I, there, there is a line you can cross, I believe, where the music is ungodly and worldly. I believe there is a line. But on, within the realm of what is good and right, um, there are differences in our churches. And, um, and so um, we'll, we'll go into that in just, in just a little more detail in a moment. Have your singers ready to, ready to sing. Never have a singer get up there and say, I haven't had a chance to practice, so you all pray for me. Uh, Don't go that route. You have a, uh, we have a mic check early Sunday morning at 8.15, 8.30 for all of our musicians. We have two services. And so all the musicians have to be there. And they have to, have, and, uh, and we, and normally they've been practicing for two to, let me just go ahead and, and share this with you because, um, and Shelley does all this, but this is, our, this is our quarterly music schedule that goes out once a quarter with all the music, all the offertories, everything on the quarterly music schedule. This is blank. I've got some of these Xeroxes up here. You're welcome to take one if you'd like. But uh, uh, you can change the service times. But it, all of our musicians know three months ahead of time what they're doing. And so they're practicing, they're working, they're picking out their songs. We encourage them to memorize their music. That isn't a requirement for us, but we encourage them to memorize the music so they can communicate, so they can look up, so they can sing. And it's a real help. Um, One thing that we try to do is we try to keep the pace of our services moving. I don't like a service if we... If we err on one side or the other, we err on music that is lively and exciting and, you know, exuberant, rather than music that's slow. And I, I don't want to say that all, all music is dead, but all slow music is dead. But even if, you, even if all the hymns are slow in the same key, it just tends to deaden the service. And so if you're going to err on one side or the other, I always err on the side of happy, exciting uh, that kind of music. 
The other thing I try to do is I try to keep the service moving, the pace of the service moving. I don't get up and announce who the soloist is. And now we're going to have Judy come and sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Judy, come ahead and sing that for us. No, I have her come up. So if, if they're not up there, halfway through the last stanza of the song before it, I nod at them and give them this. But normally I don't have to do that. They know to move into place, and they're right up there so that I step away, or whoever's making an announcement steps away, they step up and go. So that it's just flowing. It's just flowing. It's just going one thing right after another. You go to a concert, you go to any event that's well done, and it isn't an MC getting up usually saying, and now we're going to have brother so-and-so come and do this. And next we're going to have, you know, you don't need that. You don't need somebody to get up and tell everybody the name of who everybody knows that they're going to come and sing. Just singing a song out of the songbook is not special music. Unless someone has an exceptional voice or unless there are some very good variations are used, I think the special music should be music that the people do not ordinarily hear. And again, we're just talking about preparation. If we have people that do the special music, if they have trouble finding special music, Shelley or one of, one of our other pianists will give them some direction with that. And it's just a matter of making the special music special. Uh, it, again, I don't want somebody getting up and just opening the hymnal and coming up and singing three verses of that Calvary with nothing special about it. I want a little more, a little more specialness about it than that. And so, use an order of service for uh, at the Thursday meeting and on our Sunday morning meeting. We make sure that everybody has an order of service. This is critical. My musicians, my special, uh, the special music, the pastors, the associates, the pianists, the organists. We have a synthesizer also, the head usher, the special music people, and my tech people, the people that are running the PowerPoint, and uh, they all have an order of service, so they know what's coming. Uh, So you don't have, oop, the mic wasn't up. Why wasn't it up? Well, my PA guy didn't know what was coming next. No, do that. And then on the Sunday morning, we always have all the the tech guys there rehearsing it ahead of time, so you're never doing your sound check during the service. (laughs) You always want to have it ahead of time, so you know... If that duet, if you've got a duet and one person is louder than the other, uh, you know it ahead of time. But you've got, you've got a good balance. Shelley and I are there. Shelley's usually doing the balancing, making sure everything is working. You may need some structure with your choir. You may need some, oh, I don't use the word discipline, but some organization to your choir. I've found that organization helps. Requirements help. Um, now, it has to be done with the right spirit. It has to be done where my choir, um, choir is 100% fun and 100% work. But I found when I have no attendance requirements, when I have no rules or regulations, the choir attendance goes down and the, the pride in what we're doing goes down. So there's structure there. This is our structure at our church. I ran off some of these, and these won't apply. All of them won't apply to yours, but just some guidelines. Uh, let, me, let me just read some of them for you. The big three guidelines. Be there. You've got to be there three out of four rehearsals to sing in the choir. Be here on time. If you don't arrive five minutes early, you're late. If you can't be here, let us know ahead of time. We have an absentee book that they have to, excuse me, they have to sign out ahead, ahead of time in. If they're sick at the last minute, they call us on a church hotline. And then these are the, the dress requirements on the other side. Now, you've got to do this um, in the right manner. And I would talk this over with your pastor so that you, you're doing with this with some, 
with his blessing and also uh, with his wisdom. Because we've, we've been where we are for 15 years. I, my nature is to have no rules and to be a pushover and to be too easy. I mean, that's just me. And now my wife, don't tangle, no. But uh, she's the more organized one, and so we balance out each other. So we came up with this together. The choir knows when I present this to them, I'm not presenting it to them to be mean. You know, it's just something we need some guidelines to function by. Here's what we're going to do. And if you have any good suggestions, uh, share them with me, because this is not necessarily the final, final version. So, but anyway, just some ideas here uh, to look at. Um, accountants are very, very important people. <laughs> Practice ahead of time with your accountants. Practice and make sure they know what they're doing so that they're never embarrassed. I never want my, my accountant to be embarrassed because I've got to live with her. And she, uh, but she's, very, she's quicker than I am, so she normally would not do mess up. But if, um, if, I, if my keyboard people, if something goes wrong in a service, whose fault is it? It's mine. If the accompanist messes up on a choir number, whose fault is it? It's mine. Because we haven't rehearsed enough where everybody's comfortable with it. If anything ever goes wrong in the music program, it's my fault. I take the blame. I never say... Now, if there's a person that's stepping out of line, I may talk with them personally. But I never embarrass anybody in front of the church. I put the blame on me. Everybody's comfortable with that. But if, if somebody messes up and I'm going to embarrass, I, I've, I've seen that happen. And don't, don't do that. I, it would tend to happen more in the, in the choir rehearsal where a pianist gets something wrong and the, the, um, music direct, the music pastor corrects the pianist in front of the choir. Don't do that. That's embarrassing. If, if you need to, rehearse ahead of time. Um, <clears throat> new music. I try to have new music at least one new piece a month so that in the course of a month, we'll sing at least one new piece of music. We do more than that. But I would say you need to have some new music that you're learning with your choir. I get in some churches where they haven't learned a new piece of music in years. And uh, don't do that. People like new, fresh things. So be cultivating that and developing uh, sources. Last night when I was eating dinner with uh, Brother Schmidt, Brother Kerry Schmidt, here, I was asking what, what the choir did last night. Where did you get that? What, what were the numbers? And you're just getting new ideas all the time. That's where I get most of mine, just from friends in the ministry. And uh, that can be, never lose your temper. You know, that's a pretty simple thing, but, but don't, don't lose your temper. Um, it, it just um, doesn't help anything. The... Um, if you do a good job consistently, people are going to tend not to notice it and take it for granted. That's not all bad. If you do a good job every Sunday, prepare well. You know, we uh, seems like three weeks ago, but last Sunday I was in my church. I'm the music pastor there. I don't know how long it's been since somebody came up to me and said, you know, you did a good job leading the congregational singing today. I mean, it's, I don't know when I've heard that. And I prepare and I try to do a good job, but I just don't hear that. Or, you know, you, you did a good job leading the choir. I just don't hear that. I've done it long enough, and hopefully you're doing it, doing a good job where you are, and it's consistent, and it's well done. 
you know, if somebody came up to me last Sunday and said, wow, you really did a good job. That's a surprise, you know. That, that would bother me. That would bother me. My mom and dad were great parents. And yet growing up as a kid, it never even occurred to me to say, Mom and Dad, you are great parents. My dad was an electrician. I never saw him on a church platform. He was never anybody really big and important in the eyes of the world. And, you know, he was just dad and just mom. My dad's in heaven now. My mom, we usually have Sunday dinner with her. And I often tell her I love her and what a great mom. Thank you. Thank you for being a great mom. With the passing of time, some perspective comes. And if you do a good job, there will be people that will come to you years later and say, thank you for touching my life. <laughs> thank you for helping me to praise the Lord. It's such, it's such a blessing when we get those kind of, um, you know, people. Uh, I get letters from people saying, I was saved listening to your music or listening to the patch recording. I got one a little while back where a guy had a gun up to his head ready to commit suicide. And he said, the words came back. I heard you sing, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. And I put the gun down and fell to my knees. You know, and, and over time, your music will have a ministry. More important than that, one day, if you're faithful in serving the Lord with music, you'll hear those words from Christ himself. Well done thou good and faithful servant. We're a band of brothers here. We can serve the Lord through music. We can improve our skills, but we can praise him from our hearts every Sunday and encourage our folks to do that. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on taking your church music to the next level with Ron Hamilton. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.